Blog Talk Radio. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Burn, remix, up, oh, gonna make you move. Ripping microphones is a habit, I got the fetish. Cooling in the crib with the brutes. It does on the public lounge. Giving you something that you could bounce to. Surround sound, tailor made the triangle or two. Word, LORD with militia. Coming to get you a vivid 3D picture. D-I-D-E-V, Mr. Tan. Had my girl the mic, Miss Toy ripped it. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks once again, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this May 29th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com, live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Bridgestone Tire, who wants to remind you to make the switch to DriveGuard. Change out your conventional tires to four DriveGuard run-flat tires before the end of the month and get $70 from Bridgestone. For more information, go to BridgestoneTire.com. That's Bridgestone Tire. Your Bridgestone journey starts here. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to all the Balkaholics listening in the chat and around the world. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host, The Dizzle, Dave Gerzak, is off this week again. Coming up on tonight's show, we will discuss the 49ers wide out, who could be the biggest surprise in 2015, and tell you all about the Patriots running back that no one except Bill Belichick is talking about. Uh, shout out to the chat room right now. Two Packer, Henry Muto, House of Cards, Mint, and Carmi One all hanging out in there amongst others. If you want to connect with us, uh, do so in the chat tonight or connect with us on Twitter at HSFF Hour at Eric Balkman. You can also post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the high stakes fantasy football hour. If you want to give us a call tonight, feel free to do so at 347 426 3682. That's 347 game over. You can also email the show at the FedEx inbox at high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any questions for me or for tonight's co-host, now is the time to send them. We'll do our best to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in our fantasy segment, uh, fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Uh, we a couple of things before I introduce uh, tonight's co-host that I want to mention at the top of the show. Uh, number one, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you can play the Football Guys Players Championship right now, and you can draft now in online satellite leagues uh, if you want to. Get more information or sign up for that. Feel free to do so at myffpc.com. A lot of great stuff, uh, great leagues being offered there. The live events for Las Vegas are filling up as well. So if you want to play in something other than the main event or in addition to the main event out at Caesars uh, this September, there right now and uh, get that spot squared away so you can uh, enjoy the finer things and the more fun things that summer has to offer. Another thing I talked about with Alex and Dave this week was whether we were going to be broadcasting a Football Guys Players Championship draft live uh, on the, uh, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this year, and we are. And if uh, you want to get in that draft, there are spots available. You can actually go to myffpc.com and check those out right now. The date is noted uh, on the Football Guys Players Championship registration page. It's August 7th 
at 9 p.m. Eastern. That is when we will be broadcasting live. So we will go on an hour earlier that night than we normally do, and we'll be on for two hours. So if you want to uh, get some instant feedback from high stakes players that are listening and, and watching the draft live, uh, you can uh, hang out and draft in that. Uh, but uh, August 7th, 9 o'clock Eastern time is when we will be having that show. Now, I want to bring on tonight's guest, uh, but before I do, I want to talk about two previous guests we've had on the show. One, you know him. He's in the chat right now, Tupacker. Uh, he made his debut on this show it, it, within the high-stakes fantasy football podcasting industry, if you want to, if you want to say it that, uh, that way. He made his debut on this show. He was on the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast this past week with Farrell Elliott, Bob Butterfield. Uh, you can uh, check that out at kffsc.com. He was on there this week. And Jacob Rickbrode, a guy we had on a couple of years ago, he's been on the show since then. He was actually on a Ross Tucker and Evan Silva's uh, of Eaton Fantasy Feast uh, podcast this week. And I listened to that today. He did a great job on that. He's also a writer for Rotoviz. So, let it be known that we are launching careers here in the fantasy football industry, and we are hopefully launching another one tonight, or maybe he doesn't even care. He probably doesn't care because he's got much cooler things to do than hang out on a Friday night and talk with us uh, on the show, but he is doing it once, and we thank him for it. Uh, in the FFPC's inaugural year, he finished as the main event second runner-up. He's also a former Pros versus Joes champion, taking down uh, that competition in 2011. You heard his, uh, or you do hear his Genesis team drafted live each and every year right here on the HSFFR, and he's adding co-hosting duties to his resume tonight. Please welcome from the Bingers franchise, Mr. Jason Tapley. Jason, thanks for hanging out with me tonight, man. How's it going, Eric? Thanks, buddy. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you. It's going great. And like I say, with, with all the co-hosts that come on the show, always a massive upgrade from Dave. So I'm very excited to have you on. <laughs> Appreciate it. You bet. Let's uh, let normally we we talk about the news at the top of the show, but I want I want to interview you first and and give everybody a sense of your accomplishments, your opinions on on uh, on the high stakes uh, fantasy football industry and and really fantasy football in general. But first off, tell the listeners uh, what you do for a living when uh, when you're not playing fantasy football. Yeah, so I've been in banking for about 13 years. So I'm a private banker currently. Um, so that's my uh, my second job. Banking is your second job. Fantasy football just is, is taking over your life. There you go. Exactly. Recently had a, a, a son, so he's actually uh, taken up some of that time, obviously. Oh, I can imagine. How old is your son? What is it? Two and a half now. So three this October. Two and a half. Yeah. Well, that is that is awesome. My my son just turned. Um, he's a year and a half now too. So I'm still <laughs> adjusting uh, to uh, to. And I and I have a daughter as well who is just under two months old. So stuff at the Balkman household is uh, is definitely crazy right now. Um, another yeah, there thing. There you go. I noticed my team suffered for the first year or so. <laughs> well, I can't see if, if I was good before I had kids, I could easily blame it on starting a family, but I, you know, I don't have the track record that you do. So I can't use that as an excuse. Um, you, uh, let's talk about, uh, 2011, the FFPC pros versus Joe's competition. You were one of the Joe's, uh, in that event. Tell us a little bit, uh, and I know we're, we're going back four years here, but tell us a little bit what you remember about the strategy you applied in drafting that draft experts team and sort of the major factors um, looking after the season was over, the major factors that, that really helped you take that contest down. 
Yeah, so it's funny. When I saw the, the line of questioning, that team, as opposed to the main event team, I actually had to go back and do a little research. Um, the main event team, to me, is bogged in my memory. Um, that team I drafted out of the two spot. I know I went AP first. I saw that I went Bolden in the second round, and I, that was kind of a head-scratcher for me. But back in 2011, I, I don't know. Maybe that was a good pick. But looking back, I definitely went, you know, back then I went running back heavy. I had AP, Portis, who was a third-round pick. Um, but the key to me was I, I want to say I had Jamal Charles in the 10th or 11th round. Um, Peyton Manning at QB. Um, big thing on those teams, obviously, the running backs. The late late pick with Charles. Deshaun Jackson, though, I want to say, was pretty good pick that year. And health, which always helps. That's what I recall back from that team. But Charles was big down the stretch. Given that it was a uh, draft experts uh, draft instead of uh, you know a classic twenty rounder, did you apply any kind of different strategy in how you constructed that team? Um, for example, I know a lot of people, and I bring this up on the show a lot. A lot of people will kind of wait on wide receiver and then take a bunch of you know big play upside guys in the middle of the draft. Uh, given that it's a, a best ball format, did you apply yeah, I, that? Go ahead. Yeah, what well, I mean when I look back, I was definitely running back heavy. And I want to say, in that format, obviously, uh, Deshaun Jackson is, 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 to me, has much more value, you know, because he has those weeks where he goes crazy. Um, but I definitely would agree, waiting on the receivers is in that format is definitely the, the approach I take. And I don't play in a lot of those leagues per year. Um, but definitely getting you know, plugging away at the receivers and late is definitely in that format is definitely beneficial. And obviously the other format that uh, many of us are, are much more familiar with is, is the classic 20 rounder, which was the format of the 2008 FFPC main event. You, you took third place there uh, that year in, in the very first year of the FFPC. Um, you remember this team a little bit better uh, than your pros versus Joe's. What, what worked out for you to finish that high in, in the main event that year? Yeah, so I haven't finished that high since. So it's been, it's been downhill. Um, that draft, I remember, I mean, definitely the first few picks, I wanted, Marion Barber was a high pick, Andre Johnson was a high pick, Dallas Clark was a high pick, and then Michael Turner was my, I know he was my fourth round pick in his breakout year. Um, and I remember, Dallas Clark and Andre Johnson, I want to say in one of the championships weeks had a massive, I remember watching both of those guys at the same time and just thinking, wow, I have a shot at some serious money because they went bonkers. I don't know. I mean, a long time ago, but they went bonkers in the same game. They had like 15 catch games, both of them in the same week, um, which obviously catapulted me. That team though, was really about definitely about health, definitely about no bus picks and definitely about hitting a few sleepers. Barber was real solid that year. He got hurt down the stretch, and I want to say Choice came in, and the week, the final week, I want to say Choice played on a Saturday night and had a real good game, and I actually went into Sunday leading and feeling real good, and Clark and Johnson bombed, and I was out of it, well, from a first-place standpoint, I was out of it definitely before the four o'clocks because I remember Clark and Johnson, they killed me. Um, 
But that team, and I, my quarterback, I can't, I tried for the life of me to remember my QB. I cannot. Um, but that team definitely, like I said, my first, my first four picks were phenomenal. And, you know, I had another good tight end too, which in this format, obviously, Dallas Clark that year was, was insane. I think he had over 100 catches. Um, but having two good tight ends that you can plug in this format is definitely you have an upper hand when you can do that. And again, hitting on the sleeper in the fourth round, Turner, even though it doesn't catch the ball, he had a, that was his big breakout year. He was, I want to say, like those Johnson, Clark, and Turner, I want, I want to say, looking back, were like top 10 players. So, I mean, if you get three top 10 players out of your first top 10 overall out of your first four picks, I mean, that's phenomenal. You know, Jason, I know that that Tashard Choice game was a Saturday night game, and I totally forgot about this up until now that that you reminded me. But I had Tashard Choice going um, for some for a good chunk of change um, that last week too, and I remember he played on a Saturday night, and I was in Madison, Wisconsin, at a at a at a uh, bachelor party for a buddy, and we were bar hopping. You know, and, and obviously it's a college town, and we're we're going all over and. There's, there's not a lot of sports bars. We, I mean, we're going to, you know, places where the young people were hanging out and, you know, um, I could not find a TV. I didn't have a phone that like a fancy phone that I could check, you know, a smartphone that I could check the, right. the, the stats. And I, I was, I just remember going like seriously in like five or six bars. And I, I was just, I, I was looking for anything with a TV so I could finally find out how to choice did that night. And I remember it totally until like 1030 at night when I finally saw a stat line, I could actually relax and have a good time. But up until then, I just was going out of my mind trying to find out how, how to shard choice did that. It was so ridiculous. Um, I, the other thing I want to ask you about uh, the FFPC format, given that you played in it year one, that would, I mean, it's sort of, the FFPC was sort of in, I apologize if, if there's another format out there uh, that was doing this before the FFPC did, but with the point and a half uh, for tight ends, for catches, do you think there has been a big change in the way people drafted tight ends in 2008 as opposed to how people are drafting them in this format in 2014 and 2015? Are they being pushed up? Are they being pushed down? Or do you not notice a difference in where those tight ends are being selected? I think if you get you know young players that are rookies that haven't played, I think that they see the format and it intimidates them and they think that they have to you know take a tight end. Um, and, and, you know, you can make that argument. Um, I will tell you that there's been drafts where I've got shut out of the tight end position, and if you don't hit on one later, you're always behind the eight ball. I remember playing against teams in prior years that were starting like, you know, they drafted two great tight ends, uh, let's just say a Jimmy Graham and a Tony Gonzalez, and then they hit on the sleeper tight end, you know, later, let's say like a Julius Thomas last year. And you're playing against the guy that's in this – system that has three starting tight ends in his lineup. I mean, that's ridiculous. Talking with Jason Tapley, 2011 pros versus Joe's champ, 2008 second runner up in the FFPC main event. Let's talk 2015. Now, Jason, the Cowboys running back situation is obviously, um, I feel like we're just going to talk about it every single week on this show until, you know, a starter is named or until we see something in the preseason. But what's your read between McFadden, Randall, and, and all the other guys there right now? Uh, as far as so, uh, fantasy purposes go. And so I own, own Murray in a couple dynasty leagues. So obviously I watched him last year a lot. Um, the few games he 
or few carries, should I say, that I watched Randall run. I was extremely impressed. Um, under behind that offensive line, I could probably run through it. So my my thoughts are that he's going to be the guy. And his I want to say his ADP right now is like seven pounds. Um, I think that's a, a steal. Uh, you know, McFadden. I'm not McFadden's going to get carries, um, but. I think Randall is, is a great value, and I think it's Randall's job to win. And I think he's, you know, the few times I watched him run in the past, he looks pretty electric. So um, I think he's a great – again, his, now again, we're talking it's May, so is his ADP going to stay that way? Highly unlikely. Um, and I know that they've both been running. I, I personally think McFadden will have probably a couple of good games here and there, fluky games, but I think that Randall could be a, a real steal, especially if his ADP stays up even remotely close to where it is now, which it won't, think, I doubt. But Yeah, and, and, and I'm with you. I, th- I think his ADP rises uh, because I, I think that, you know, I was really on McFadden before, but given what I'm reading and, and listening to now, I, I, I'm starting to become much more of, of a Team Randall guy. Where, where do you think his ADP, how, how high can it climb? I mean, if, if he's clearly in the preseason running ahead of McFadden, if he's, if he's busting off a few carries, if he catches a couple of passes, I mean, are we talking when it gets to be, you know, September in Vegas, is he a second round pick? Is he a third round pick? Or, I mean, what's, how high could he be drafted if everything is working out for him? And that's the funny thing, you know, let's say we go into week two of preseason and he catches three balls or two balls and busts a 70-yard run and takes it to the house. That right there skyrockets him for the rest of, you know, the rest of the preseason. So, I mean, and if news comes out that he's going to be the guy, that's obviously going to skyrocket him too. I mean, again, behind that offensive line, he, he could, I mean, he could jump you know, I don't. Do I see him jumping in the second round? I don't know. I definitely could see him jumping the, the third round. Yeah, I, I, I mean, seriously, you, like you, you hit the nail on the head with that. With that, you know, busting off like a seventy-yard play or something like that. Because we've seen guys, uh, we've you know, right or wrong, we've seen their ADP rise uh, just based on you know single plays like that. Um, also. Uh, another backfield that I want to talk about that, and, and I don't know if we're going to have the same big play potential there uh, in Cleveland, but Duke Johnson, Terrence West, Isaiah Crowell, I mean, another kind of cluster there. What do you, what's your read on that situation? Who's going to be the starter uh, in your opinion? And, and who's the guy to own uh, given where these guys are going to be selected in drafts? I'm definitely not high as high on that backfield as Dallas's backfield. I know that they have a strong offensive line in Cleveland. Um, I was actually when I when I saw the question I was kind of leaning towards Crowell definitely not West um, I know he he'll be in the mix just after what happened last year I just to me I would stay away from him that's just my preference um, I don't know that now I I'm I'm torn between Crowell and, and Johnson what I mean what are your your initial thoughts like I said I know they have a strong offensive line I don't. That's definitely much higher on the Dallas backfield. I mean, there's one less mouth to feed as of now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts? I'm, I mean, I'm torn on the Crowell Johnson as of now. But West, I am definitely staying away from. Yeah, I mean, the only way I would take Terrence West is if he's basically free, you know, in drafts. If he's available at the end of a draft in, like, the 18th, 19th, 20th round, I might take a flyer if I'm if I'm not very deep at running back. 
Um, between Kroll and uh, Johnson, I'm leaning – usually when something like this happens, I end up taking whatever guy ch is cheapest. You know, I usually would not take whoever the first guy is. Uh, if the second guy hangs on out there, then I'll probably grab him. If I had my choice and I had to take one, I, I would rather have Kroll on my team right now. Um, it is close because I think that Duke Johnson is uh, – he's a pretty polished guy, you know, coming in. Uh, to the NFL. He's a good pass catcher. Pass pro is solid. Um, and, and I feel like he's a smart running back. I've said a lot of the same stuff about TJ Yeldon, except for the pass catching. I've said, uh, you know, a lot of the same stuff about Duke Johnson as, as Yeldon. So I feel like if, you know, Kroll were to get hurt, I'm, I'm really liking Duke Johnson with the return of Alex Mack off of injury back on that offensive line. But if they both stay healthy, I'm probably not going to draft either one, um, you know, given that it is still the Browns offense. And I don't know how much greatness I'm going to be getting from either one. But right now, I, I would lean uh, towards Crowell based off what I've seen. And obviously the preseason and, and training camp and a lot of stuff. Uh, that could change it because to me it's it's pretty volatile right now and and I I could be swayed to one guy or the other pretty easily right now. Right, but I, we're in agreement that as as a whole, I'm not thrilled with the Cleveland backfield. Yeah, so those are not guys unless something dramatically changes. One go to, guy go down with an injury or something. Those aren't, aren't guys I'm necessarily probably looking to pluck. It's, I mean, they're total guys that, you know, they'd have to fall, you know, they'd have to fall and the situation would have to change. Otherwise it's, it's just not, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see how targeting either one right now really is a boon to your, to your fantasy team. One of the fantasy teams I want to talk about is the Genesis squad, Jason, that, that you had uh, drafted a few weeks back um, right on this show, actually. What was uh, your, first of all, I got to ask you this. You were you drafted from the 12 spot. I didn't realize right. this, but Dave told me that you are like the king of the 12 spot, that you you seem to get the 12 spot in, in, in every single draft. Is that true? So the 2018 that finished third was a 12th spot team. Um, and then I went on a streak for several years where my main event team was 12. Yeah, I mean, um, and yeah, it was more for me. I just wanted out of the 12 spot. You can win in any, any spot. Everyone knows that. But for me, I just wanted out of it because I got sick of having it. Um, so I've had it, yes, quite often in, in, in many leagues. I did a few years ago break the streak, which ironically were my worst main event teams when I drafted up high. That's what I mean <laughs> by it was just my, my psyche wanted out of the 12. But then when I got out of the 12, I was like, oh, give me the 12. The guy in the 12 spot won. I mean, um, like, like I, I said during the Genesis draft, I'm like, well, if there's anybody who is going to win this league out of the 12 spot, it's 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 Jason Tapley because he's clearly got the most experience out of anybody there drafting out of that spot. I'll tell you, the Genesis league is rough for me, and, and probably because it's so early. It's like that league that you should probably not play in, but you can't let it go because it's the inaugural league. Um. So it's just a, it's a, it's a tough league because it's early and you know so much changes and everyone comes out of it and anyone who says oh this guy's team looks the best is usually not the guy that wins. Um, so it's it's I knew out of the twelfth spot though and I can't remember who went a few backs went right ahead of me. I didn't think I was going to go running back out of the twelfth spot just because I wasn't sold on anyone there. Um, no. I'm glad I, I know I went Calvin, Jimmy Graham. Um, and I'm not, 
I don't know on the Calvin pick, you know, now that I, uh, months gone by and I'm thinking on it, I don't dislike it. I'm not in love with it. You know, the Jimmy Graham, you, obviously he's on a different team. Um, I, I still think in this format that Jimmy Graham gives me an upper hand at tight end. And that, that was my, I knew I wasn't going to go running back. So it was either going to be for me, receiver, receiver, or receiver and Graham. Obviously, you know, wishful thinking on a guy like Gronk flipping. I don't even know where he went. Three or something. He went ridiculously high. Obviously, that would be my preferred tight end. Um, but it was either going to be receiver, receiver, or receiver tight end. Um, what are your thoughts on Graham? You think he has a big slip slippage, or you think he still is going to put up, you know, enough numbers to warrant that I took him what thirteen. Yeah, I think, it, first of all, I know Dave is higher on Graham than I am, but I don't think I'm down on Graham at all. We we were talking about this, I can't remember if it was last week's show or the week before, but I asked him to kind of like put numbers, uh, you know, up up to Graham, give me the, the over-under on all these. And I think he ended up settling on like, boy, was it 80, 75, 80 catches, 1,000 yards and like 10 or 11 touchdowns, which to me in this format, yeah, I'm going to take that in the first round and, and to get him at the end of the first, I'd, I'd be totally fine with. I think the way that Marshawn Lynch's career uh, is going, not that, that you know it's trending down, but you know he's not going to get better all of a sudden at this age. Um, I think the transition of bringing in uh, Jimmy Graham, the transition of um, trading uh, all those picks to get Tyler Lockett. I think now the idea is to get uh, weapons for Russell Wilson and really let him open up that offense. So right now, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. And I think that as we get closer to the season, in all honesty, I think Jimmy Graham is going to be consistently going in the first round rather than you know end of the first in the second round that, that we're seeing right now. I, I just think that he's he's too dominant a player away from and there's only one Gronk out there and if you don't get him Graham to me is the next best thing see and I think his floor and this is strictly from a touchdown standpoint I think his floor is 10 and his ceiling is 13 to 14 maybe I'm crazy but you know if a couple of those red zone looks don't go to Lynch who are they going to go to they're going to go to Graham so like to me I think he could be a massive you know he's got to stay healthy I think he can be a massive red zone factor and I think that his minimum is going to be, you know, 10. And I, I just think that – so I will say that I was going – definitely in the Genesis League, I was going to look to pluck running backs later. That was my thought process. Um, and, you know, I know we'll cover this later, but my thoughts definitely on the running backs have changed. So for me at the 12th spot, if the guy that I was looking at didn't fall to me, I was definitely – going either receiver receiver or receiver tight end jason tapley is uh, tonight's guest on the high stakes fantasy football hour he was the winner of the 2011 pros versus joes he was the third place uh, uh team in the 2008 ffpc main event and uh we're talking about your genesis team uh, that you drafted a few weeks ago jason i want to shift down all the way down uh to the first pick of the 10th round for you you had your choice of both Baltimore Ravens receivers out there uh, between Brashad Perriman and Steve the Icon Smith. Uh, you ended up uh, taking Perriman there uh, over Steve Smith, and actually Smith went with the with the very next pick. Talk to us about the rationale of taking Perriman uh, over Steve Smith there, and um, how, do you, how do you see Perriman finishing among receivers this year? My thought is towards, what, middle of the year or maybe even after the fourth games, I felt Smith definitely tailed off. 
and Tory definitely picked up the pace. And my thought is that Perryman's going to come in in Tory's role, and that that's what the numbers are going to look like. And Steve Smith's just a year older. Um, yeah, you know, so that's my yeah. Perryman's hands obviously need to improve, um, but you know Flacco's got a big arm, um, so I I think that Perryman's going to come in and if you look at Tory's second half numbers and you look at Steve Smith's and I don't have him in front of me, but I know when I was watching the tape, Smith definitely tailed off. Like I know he had such a great start to the season, but I want to say like game four he started to really tail off. And Tory had a horrendous start, and then he started to come on. You know, Perryman's taking his spot. So, you know, with Flacco's arm, if his if his hands can improve, I'm thinking he's going to have, you know, I, as far as, you know, in a PPR, is he going to have 80 catches? I mean, that's optimistic. I, I don't think he's going to have 80 catches. Um, you know, can he have 8 to 10 touchdowns? I, I think so. I mean, he's going to be the starter from day one. Um, and I just think Smith's going to tell, he's got to, you know, he's got to, the guy's got to start falling off. And I felt he started to, you know, second half last year. They always say that, uh, that father time is undefeated. So at some point, Steve Smith is going to, he's going to start acting his age. I would, I would think, um, so definitely. And I, and the Perriman pick between Perriman and Smith, um, I think especially not the Genesis is, is like a national main event tournament type contest. Um, when you're only trying to beat 11 teams, I think that might change uh, the rationale a little bit. I think Par- I, to me, it's no question that Perriman has the much higher ceiling uh, than Smith this year. Um, maybe he doesn't have the highest, uh, you know, the higher floor, but I think he is a he's an excellent pick to win type guy for uh, for a national contest. Um, Jason, you've been with the the uh, the FFPC from the start, uh, drafting in these high stakes leagues. The since 2008. Um, especially over the last three or four years, the NFL's really, really been uh, become a, a passing heavy league where, uh, you know, passing is a good uh, alternative to passing the football, um, as it were. What do you think uh, the draft rationale for you, has it changed at all? I mean, have you changed the way that you draft receivers and running backs um, because of this shift in the NFL's? you know, strategy among coordinators and coaches, or is it still, you know, are you still basically drafting in a similar way 15 that you were back in 2008? I mean, if you definitely can get a bell cow running back, you know, that's going to catch the ball and do everything. Um, that's definitely a preference, but you know, last year, I think what the top three or four picks were those guys on paper, obviously, they didn't, you know, they didn't finish that way, but, the top few picks were those guys. And then, you know, everybody else had issues. You know, for me, it's for a while, it was like, I want a running back because that's just, that was the mentality. That's definitely changed. It's scary though. When you look at your team, it's like, wow, I have great receivers. I have a great tight end. And then you look at your running back. You're like, this guy's, you know, a second string guy, or this guy is splitting carries. But, you know, if you draft solid at the top receivers, tight end, you know, quarterback and then one of the one or two of those running backs hit in a big way which it happens every year the key is to find out who those guys are you know the the thing is receivers are safer i mean that's the bottom line you know you know what you're getting out of a demarius thomas and antonio brown you know jordy nelson you know you know what you're getting out of those guys so 
you know, if you look at like the the numbers, I mean, McCoy last year, and I don't know where McCoy finished, but I know where he was. What consensus number one for the most part? He definitely, you know, he didn't have an awful year, but it wasn't a great year. So I mean, you look at again, Demarius Thomas last year. Demarius Thomas had a phenomenal year. So I mean, I, to me, my philosophy and draft strategy has definitely changed because me receivers and the top tier tight ends are much safer than running backs now. Jason, a couple of emails that uh, that came in uh, for you. The first one's Dave uh, from Dave in Portland, Oregon. Um, he writes, with the move from Miami to Minnesota, do you think Mike Wallace could be a top 20 receiver this year, or will I regret drafting him as such this year because he won't get back to his old Steelers numbers? Thanks for the email, Dave in Portland. I know we haven't talked about Mike Wallace on this show uh, a whole lot, which is weird because I feel like we talk about the Dolphins every single week. Um, and obviously with the Vikings, with AP, we've been talking about them quite a bit. But what, what about Mike Wallace with Teddy Bridgewater throwing to him right now? What are, what are your thoughts on, on Wallace, Jason? My thoughts is if he stayed in Miami, he wouldn't be a top 20 receiver. So I, I, don't, <laughs> think there's a, there, I don't think there's any chance he's a top 20 receiver. Um, I, don't even, I don't even know if he was a top 20 receiver in Pittsburgh. Um, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, I just don't know. You know, in a PPR, in this format, I just don't see him catching enough balls to be a top 20 receiver. Um, Do you think that, that Bridgewater, uh, you know, it, I mean, there's so many weapons there now. There, there's, there's Rudolph, Charles Johnson really uh, stepped up last year. I know <laughs> Patterson is being talked up again for whatever reason. Um, and obviously Adrian Peterson, a lot of people are talking about him uh, catching a ton of balls this year. Is it just going to be, is it a, is it a lack of, you know, there's there's just so many targets there to to or so many mouths to feed and, and only so many targets to go around. I mean that that's my thought. I mean, the, he, let's the guy's never been a target monster in his career anyway. I mean, so yeah, for me, I'm not I'm not ultra high on him. I mean, what are your thoughts? I I I can't I I have never been. I mean, I've never been a big Mike Wallace guy. Um, again, just from the PPR factor. Um, but this, the change doesn't, I actually think that it's worse for him. The thing for, for me, and I haven't owned him a ton. In fact, I didn't, I think, I don't think I've owned him since he's been a Steeler. Um, not that that was that long ago, but, um, the thing is with him, he strikes me as, as always like a big, big play type guy and not a guy who's ever been sort of heavily targeted. So it's real, real difficult for him to have a dominant season when he's really never been treated by his quarterback or by his offense as the dominant, you know, uh, engine of the passing game. So, and and that's why I've, I've sort of stayed away from him because it's like, do I really want to pay the ceiling price for Wallace when I could get somebody who's going to be targeted more, not only, you know, normally in between the twenties, but in the red zone as well. So I, and, and I just, you know, I don't think much has changed with, with him uh, being a Viking now. No, I agree. I mean, best ball format he's got, you know, he's got a few games where he'll blow up um, historically. So, I mean, that's, but again, in the course of the season and a PPR, if, if that, you know, if you're looking for top 20 numbers, I mean, I don't, I don't see how that, that, you know, that could even happen. 
Um, Tom in Dallas, Texas writes, hello, Bada Bingers. I'm looking at the tight ends this year, and all I see is guys to not be excited about. So I know unless I get Gronk, I'm probably not going to be thrilled with who I draft. Well, unless it's Graham, which we just said. We both like him. I'm wondering your thoughts on Julius Thomas. After he left Peyton Manning for Blake Bortles, it seemed like a lot of people gave up on him. Now his market seems to be bouncing back a bit. Will he make any of your teams this year? Good luck in 2015, Jason. That's Tom in Dallas, Texas. Thanks for the email, Tom. Julius Thomas, Jason. Uh, I think John Duckworth, we kind of gave him, we, we razzed him a little bit because he took him at the end of the second round uh, in Genesis. But what are your thoughts on, on JT this year, JT the Jaguar? Yeah, it would be hard, like Duckworth taking him at the end of the second. And again, I can't critique Genesis because it's a crazy draft and it's a tough draft. <laughs> that's, but that's tough. You know, you're going from Peyton Manning to a second-year quarterback in Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, you'll be hearing about this guy before, you know, Manning. Um, that's, I, I'm not down on him. Definitely wouldn't be looking at him at the end of the second round. Um, I definitely like Kelsey from Kansas City a lot better. Um, so I don't know if he's looking to rank him right behind Graham. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, realistically, what could his numbers be? I, he's not gonna be to me, he's not going to catch in you know, at 13 touchdowns. Um, yeah, I don't know on him. I'm not me, down on him. Yeah, I'm not down. I'm not super excited about him at the same time. I think I think for me, and again, I, I don't want to keep coming back to this, but for me, it seems like his. his I, I agree, his market is 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 rising, and I think people are starting to draft him much earlier than they were, um, you know, in the MFL tens and MFL twenty five uh, after he signed with Jacksonville, but. Again, I think because he's moving to a new team with a new offense and a new quarterback, um, usually I tend to shy away from those guys in drafts. And I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to to pay the price. Um, you know, if he is selected, I mean, if he's going second or third round, I just I I'll wait on tight end because after Graham and after Gronk, there's not. I mean, there's so many guys out there, marks that I really don't want to take a chance on a guy that, you know, I don't want to say an unknown, but a guy with, with so many questions around him. I, I just, it's just not worth the risk. I, give me a running back that's, that's going to get touches. Give me a receiver that's going to be targeted in his offense and, and I'll figure out tight end later. Yeah. Like, I mean, you get like Greg Olson, for instance, and I, I'm going to assume he definitely exactly. went later in Genesis than the end of the second round. I'll take him all day. You know, his, you, his upside might not be, I mean, you know what you're getting from Olsen. He's not going to score you 13 touchdowns. He's not going to catch 90, well, I don't know. He's going to catch 90 balls, but you know what you're getting from him. But the value is going to be much better. Um, you know, I could think of Olsen, you know, possibly Bennett, definitely Kelsey. Um, I could be totally wrong on him. He could have a, a phenomenal year. You know, it's just my thought process to your point is there's much better value later. Jason, you know, let's like uh, talk. Players, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I wanted to get your opinion on um, a player, a player that you want to make sure you scoop up on a lot of teams this year. And then a player that um, that you're definitely going to be avoiding in 2015. Yeah, I think Brandon Cooks is the guy I'm I'm looking to target. I think people will forget about him because he got hurt. He was playing good before he got injured, 
and we're all stills is gone. Graham's gone. And I know that their, their offense is more is supposed to be, you know, more, more of Ingram and Spiller, um, breeze throwing less, more defense. Um, but somebody's still got to catch the ball there. Colson is, you know, is Colson still on the team? He sure, he certainly is. I think he, yeah, is, he uh, is, but you know, another year older and Colson's Colson. So, you know, for me, it's cooks because even if they scale back the offense, which I'm sure they will, somebody's got to catch the ball. And the kid was, he was, you know, in the PPR, he was, you know, he was doing phenomenal before he got injured. So it's cooks for me. Um, my avoid player. And I, I went back and forth on this and that's, this is probably going to change, but as of now it's McCoy, you know, price yeah. tag wise. And I know he's going to get carries and I know he's going to, you know, but, just the system he's going to, and I'm a Jets fan, so I know Rex is going to run him into the ground. Um, I don't know. For me, though, the price tag, I, I just it's McCoy as of today. And and I'm with you. I mean, I feel like I've I've changed my mind a, a bunch. He's sort of like Stephen, the Stephen Jackson of of 2010 or whatever it was for me when I kept um, changing my mind on Jackson like every other week. I think I've changed my mind on McCoy a bunch uh, just because yeah. I, I can't deny the workload he's going to get. And I can't deny all the touches that the bills are in the opportunities that the bills are going to give him to put up numbers. But I mean, moving to a different, again, a new coach, new, team, new system. I, I, I just feel like that, it, that has not been a good track record for any player, much less running backs uh, in the past. So I'm, I definitely, I'm, I'm with you. He, he's an avoid for me right now. Yeah, when I look, like I said, when I look at it, I mean, and you can make an avoid for several players, but, you know, to me, I don't want my first-round pick, my second-round pick to be a bust. And the only thing that made me hesitate to not say McCoy was that he's going to get the rock a ton. But as of today, you know, if he gets the rock a ton, but they don't move on offense and he's averaging three and a half yards a carry. And I love him as a player. I love watching him. Um, I think he's a special player. Um, but, you know, look who's quarterback in the team and, you know, the division they play in. Um, it's for t- Today, it's McCoy. That, and, again, that could change. Let's move on and, and talk about uh, some news uh, around the NFL, Jason. I want to kick things off um, from uh, John Ozer's report on Jaguars.com about how Gus Bradley said that the running game is obviously going to be a point of emphasis this year. Um, Jacksonville drafting some offensive linemen, getting TJ Yeldon in the second round. I know it's all fun and good to say that they want to run the ball quite a bit this year, but it's another thing to actually execute that and actually do it. Where do you think, given that, you know, Yeldon is is probably going to be the number one running back on that squad, where do you think he finishes among running backs this year? Is he a top 15 or a top 20 guy, or is that expecting too much too soon from him? I think top 20 is the ceiling that I'm willing to go. And I think mid twenties is probably very realistic. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I can't see him going above 20. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I, I talked about this on the show the last couple of weeks, I feel like Yeldon's ADP is rising um, to the point where I think we might be expecting a little bit too much. I think it, he, he should be a top 20 guy. I'd hesitate to put him in the top 10 or 15 uh, because there are so many talented guys out there that are going to get the rock uh, that are on better offenses than Jacksonville. And I know that they've 
um, you know, sort of taking a step forward this year and they should be better. But uh, I think I'm going to be watching Yeldon against me more this year than watching him play for me. Yeah, I would agree. I, I am typically targeting Jaguars is not something that I, I look to do. Um, so, yeah, for me, top 20 is, is probably the, uh, the ceiling for him. Elliot Shore Parks from NJ.com wrote an article about Nelson Aguilar this week, or Aguilar, excuse me. Uh, he uh, said that he has the route running ability, athleticism, work ethic, versatility, speed technique to be a big weapon in that offense. Uh, that according to uh, Rob Rang from CBS Sports. Uh, Aguilar tracks passes well over his shoulder. He is able to uh, to uh, get the, you know snatch the ball out of the air uh, so he can uh, rack up the rack or the, the yak, rack up the yak. Uh, after uh, he has the ball in his possession. Between all those Eagles receivers this year, um, where we really don't know who the number one's going to be, Jason, who would you rather have, Aguilar, Zach Ertz, or Jordan Matthews in an FFPC format? Initially, I thought Matthews, and then, uh, but upon a little further research, Aguilar is definitely where I'm, I'm going with him. I think, uh, yeah, I definitely think he can catch 80 balls. Um on that team. So he's definitely going to be somebody I, I look to target um, as of now. I think, you know, Matthews is a good player. Um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, who knows what Bradford's going to do? I got to assume it's going to be Bradford to start. You know, I don't know what Bradford's going to do. You know, Matthews produced with Sanchez. So, you know, to me, if it ends up being Bradford, which it should be, um, as long as he's healthy, I think Aguilar is going to be the uh, the guy, and and then I would say Matthews. Like to me, Ertz is, you know, I think Ertz has got plenty of talent, but you know, I think he's third fiddle on from a receiving standpoint. Jason, I don't know if you saw Fox Sports ran a story this week. Uh, I, you know, it could be classified as a puff piece on Quentin Patton. Um, for the 49ers that uh, he could be primed for a breakout year. Uh, he worked out with Colin Kaepernick a lot this offseason. He was a fourth-round pick two years ago, and now he's got Jerome Simpson and Bruce Ellington as his major competition for the third wide receiver job in San Francisco behind Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith. Is there any value with, with Quentin Patton late in, in drafts as a sleeper, um, or is this just a guy to avoid? Uh, to me, it's a void. San Fran is such a hard team for me to get behind. I mean, Vernon Davis had a horrendous year. Um, they're they're tough for me to get. I, I can't I can't get excited. I mean, obviously, and I'll go off the cuff here. Maybe obviously Carlos Hyde, <laughs> um, which is obviously not a receiver. Um, but you know, I can't get excited about San Francisco. I you know I don't know. I just what are your thoughts? I I can't get excited. Definitely, I can't get excited about Patton. I'm not. I mean, I'm with. I'm sort of with Dave on this. I mean, I'm. I'm fine with Bolden, and outside of that, I'm. I'm kind of avoiding. I have Carlos Hyde in in my in the, the dynasty league that I'm in, and he's uh, going to be my number one running back at least until Todd Gurley gets healthy. But you know that they got to play against three really good defenses. 
uh, twice uh, this year. And to me, that team is in transition. I'm, I don't know if Jim Tom Sula is a, is a decent head coach. I know he's an all right defensive mind, um, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I see bad, bad things happening in San Francisco this year. So uh, that that's a team uh, I'm avoiding. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, to me, uh, a, an offense that's sort of on the upswing, uh, getting Jameis Winston as their starting quarterback is Tampa Bay. Pat Yasinkis, uh, Yasinskis from ESPN.com reported this week that Sims has a solid chance of beating out Doug Martin, um, which it, again is not earth shattering, but now this is, you know, getting into the media. So, so we're talking about it more. And I know there's talk in the chat room earlier about Sims. Um, some people in the scouting community, when Sims was drafted said that, um, he reminded him of Matt Forte, who obviously was a solid runner and a really good receiver out of the backfield. Do you think the hype is getting too strong on Sims, given the fact that he really hasn't been named the starter yet? And we're kind of projecting him to be the starter, given that, you know, he was the choice of the current regime there. Or is Sims still a guy that, that you're looking at getting in drafts? Well, I'll tell you, I like Sims and I actually like their offense. Um, two big receivers, you know, Winston's going to come in. They're probably going to, being some shootouts there. So there's a lot to like. Um, the, the question becomes though, what really happens? You know, you know, there's so many running backs that they've rotated in and out, but they've at times they've all been productive. That's, you know, the strange thing. Rainey was productive. Um, so I do like Tim's. I don't know what his ADP is as of today. Um, and I don't know how much it will rise. I do like him. I own him in a dynasty league. So obviously I'm rooting for him. Um, Doug Martin to me is, is, is pretty much done. I mean, he is, in my opinion. Um, but you know, are they going to give him the ball? That's the, that's the million dollar question. But I do think the offense is going to move the ball. Um, you know, I definitely think, you know, you can catch the ball out of the backfield. So the real question becomes, is it going to end up being him? Like to me, it should be because well, Doug Martin's got what one year left on his contract, right? So they're going to let him walk. Um, and Doug Martin to me is done. So, and I would like to be higher on Sims. Like I am pretty high on him, but again, I struggle with, you know, what's going to happen because, you know, where are they going to go with it? So that will be something I'll definitely be following. I want to, um, combine this last point of news with our first email because they're both uh, Washington Redskins and I think we can combine them fairly seamlessly here. Mike Jones from the Washington Post said that Jordan Reed was experiencing knee soreness after the first day of OTAs. Uh, this according to Jay Gruden. Um, I want to see uh, if, if you a, are looking at him at all in drafts and if not, uh, are you looking at Garcon or Djax gobbling up those targets? And then this first uh, email is about Matt Jones, the newest Washington running back from uh, Roger in Santa Ana, California. Uh, he writes on last week's show, Balky talked a little bit about Matt Jones but ran out of time. I thought this week you could answer my email first so there would be plenty of time for a spirited MJ debate with Jason. So discuss. So what are your thoughts? We'll, we'll just kind of talk a little bit about Jordan and Matt Jones here. Uh, Jason, your thoughts on both those guys. Uh, in regards to Jordan, I mean, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm kind of done with him. I got burned, you know, and this is just a personal preference. I got burned with him. The guy can't stay healthy. Um, you know, so, and I know, like, I don't even know if I would consider him tight end too. I mean, there's some upside there, obviously. Um, 
you know, in the system. And, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm personally finished with him. Um, I just don't think he can stay healthy. Um, the Matt Jones, you know, the Matt Jones part of it, it's crazy because Alfred Morris has had all these carries the last few years. He's been so consistent with the carries, um, but he is getting a lot of hype. So, uh, it's almost like the Tampa Bay thing. I, I'm not sure early on what to believe. Um, I can't just imagine them, you know, putting out to the bench though. You know, so to me, it's more of what he does to, you know, Morris doesn't catch the ball. So if he loses a significant amount of carry, it's more of what it does to me for Morris. Would I take a flyer on that James? Absolutely. Because of the upside. Um, that's one of those things where I, it's like a no brainer. Um, but you know, I don't, I, I just, I, I don't, even if Morris is get Morris gets scaled back, you know, how much, I mean, the guy has been the, the, the bell cow for the last couple of years. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I think that, um, Alfred Morris has never been a darling of, of high stakes owners be, just because, I mean, he doesn't catch a ton oh, yeah. of passes. He's, he's never Turner. been, yeah, I mean, he's, he's never been like a, an electric high ceiling type guy. So I think when, when the next new toy is there, people get more excited about him and what he could be, um, even if, you know, his ceiling isn't near as high as Morris. So I think that's a big reason that people are, are on Matt Jones right now. So I, I still like Morris uh, this year. I'm, I'm again, I, I just don't think Jones is going to, fall too far uh for me to to get excited about him um i'll tell you running back you touched on running back flyers here's a team that is chock full of running back flyers liz in manteca 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 california it was right around this time last year that the hoodie was talking up james white as a guy who he was excited about then he probably gave nearly all the touches last year to ridley vereen and blount once he was signed is that why we're not hearing any reports from James White or about James White again this year? Surely there is some fantasy value for ball catcher in 2015. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the email, Liz. What about James White? What do you? What are your thoughts on him, uh, Jason? Um, and I was looking at their run schedule today, and I know it's just a strength of schedule, so that's kind of you can throw it out the window to a certain degree. I know it looks rough on paper. Um, Blunt's got a what? A one-game suspension. Yes. Uh, Brady, hypothetically, will be what? Probably reduced to two, more than likely. You know, so. I would, I would yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be a tough division to run the ball in, but, and typically my answer to this question would be I stay away from anything Belichick does in the running game. There's only, you know, everyone knows that it's, you know, Gronk, Brady, Edelman, you know, leave it alone. LaFell had a couple spot games, but like historically, you know, they're, they're horrendous with the running backs and checks horrendous with, you know, what he wants to tell you, what he doesn't want to tell you. Um, but yeah, like James White makes sense to me. Um, he does. He makes, he makes sense, but you know, I don't know. Would I take a flyer on him? Absolutely. Because, you know, if he pays dividends, I think it will be in a big way. Um, so yeah, he would definitely be on my, my radar because they can't just run the ball with, with, I mean, they could, but you know, I don't envision them. Somebody's got to catch the ball out of the backfield there and, you know, Blunt's not going to be the one doing that. So 
Um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. I haven't heard his name mentioned in a while. I mean, you know, what are your thoughts that, you know, that is a guy I haven't heard, you know, in a while mentioned. Yeah, and 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 I think that's the reason I'm 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 sort of not that I'm I was ever on him, but the reason I'm off him is just a he's like you said he's a Patriots running back, so you never really know what you're getting on a week to week basis. I think as a late pick and a DE, I'd be fine with because you if if you know there's some injuries there or, or what have you, or maybe Belichick just decides to feature James White that week. All of a sudden, you get maybe two or three games of of starting production out of him in a DE. So I, I think that there is. Uh, some fantasy goodness in uh, in a DE late in a DE there. This is the fun. Oh, yeah, if he's Jonas Gray, if he's Jonas Gray, that's we're in good shape. <laughs> exactly, totally right. Um, this is the final email I, I, we're going to get to tonight. My apologies if, if uh, your email didn't get read on air. This is from Billy in Defiance, Ohio. Greetings and salutations. In looking at Jason's Genesis team, I noticed that he selected Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart, and Kelvin Benjamin. Was this just coincidence, or does he hold the Panthers' attack in high regard this season? What do you uh, – thanks for the email, Billy. What about the Panthers' uh, offense this year, Jason? You took, uh, let's see, uh, Kelvin Benjamin in the fourth, Jonathan Stewart in the fifth, and Cam Newton in the ninth in uh, in Genesis. Yeah, and I noticed that, and that wasn't actually deliberate. Um, but I am somewhat – cautiously high on their offense. Cam is supposedly healthy. He's got two big receivers on the outside now. Um, he's got Olsen. Now, I, again, that strategy obviously was running backs later, so that's where I ended up with Stewart because my thought is he's going to you know, get the carries. D'Angelo's gone now. Um, it definitely was not by design that I love their offense, though, and I want to have three of their skill players by no means. Um, after the fact, I was like, oh, wow. But it could be worse. Uh, you know, it, it, I could, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic of their offense. Um, again, because you know, Cam came on, Cam, if he's feeling good, he's got two big receivers, Olsen's uh, a security blanket. Um, and I think Stewart, you know, again, for where I picked Stewart and in looking at, I think I ended up in the Genesis of Melvin Gordon, Stewart, Gore, to old guys, a couple old guys. And but you have Melvin think, to balance it out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I didn't target Carolina offense by any means, but I'm I'm okay with it. I think that they could all, you know, I think in any given week, they all three could produce, you know, numbers. Uh, Jason, you did a fantastic job tonight. This was a lot of fun hanging out, talking uh, we want to wish you best of luck this year. We're all going to follow you on Twitter at Tapley74. And uh, thanks for hanging out, man. Good luck this season. Hey, Eric, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was fun. You too. Uh, definitely was. The pleasure is all on this side of the microphone, my friend. Uh, love, to, uh, love to talk to you uh, again about fantasy. Great stuff from Jason Tapley, 2011 Pros versus Joe's Champ, and uh, 2008 second runner-up in the FFPC main. I want to thank Jason. I want to thank Bridgestone Tire, FedEx, the producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer Bryce, and of course, all of you listeners hanging out on Friday with me. Uh, ne next week, uh, I'm off. So I, I get to be the one who's off next week. Uh, I have my annual poker tournament with all my jackass friends from high school. I'll be at. Dave will have a special guest co host next week. Your weekend officially starts now. 
This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Joe said that I'm the best in the West.